Expand and impact. Internal transformation for external impact. Achieve your goals without sacrificing yourself. I'm Violetta Znarkowski, but you can call me Violet. Welcome back to the official first episode of the Expand and Impact podcast. I'm your host, Violetta Znarkowski, and this is a space where we discuss how you can create a successful life that is an authentic expression of you, and we also explore the intersection between personal development and gender equality. There are a lot of myths and miscommunication that society communicates to us on a day-to-day basis. You know, like how it's normal to put work above your life and work above your well-being, or that the only way to reach your goals and be quote-unquote successful is to give up your time, your energy, and your needs to someone or something else. Or even that you shouldn't wear white past Labor Day. I've been living as an expat since 2016. That's seven years now. And let me tell you, most of the countries I've lived in don't celebrate Labor Day. And some of them don't even have seasons. You best believe I'm that person walking around wearing white whenever I want, even in the winter. If it brings me joy and helps me express myself in that moment, I'm all for it. But I digress. There are many things that are normalized in society that don't hold a lot of merit once closely investigated, but can feel very oppressive, controlling, and limiting when we don't get curious and take a closer look. In this episode, we're going to be talking about one of the most important concepts that is the difference between forcing and flowing in your career and your life. One that you actually have control over in a world where sometimes it feels like so many things are out of your control. This concept that we'll explore is one of the foundations when you're working towards creating a life that feels truer to you and learning to integrate the parts of you that flare up with feelings of inadequacy, insecurity, frustration, judgment, shame, guilt, embarrassment, anger even, so that you can show up with more confidence, integrity, and with ease, even in a world that may not always be so kind, may not always be so easy to navigate, may not always be so inclusive, and may not be ready to hold a mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically empowered individual. One who does not only embody freedom, joy, courage, clarity, strength, but also empathy, kindness, open-minded, and open heart, and open-heartedness. Well, that's a hard one to pronounce. (laughs) Once the layers of conditioning are pulled back, you notice that suddenly you have both the strength and the awareness to make conscious choices in alignment with your values and what you really desire in your life. Even when no one is clapping for you, even if you get pushed back or judged or criticized in the process, maybe from those closest to you, who you love, or maybe even strangers. Connecting with your truth and gently learning to live it in a way that is sustainable and functional in our world, allowing yourself not to be for everyone, and to show yourself compassion when you don't show up perfectly, takes courage. And if you're listening to this right now, 
you've already got the answers within you. There is nothing more you need, perhaps only some guidance to uncover the wisdom and deep knowing that has been there all along, before life happened. That's what I do in my work with women outside of this podcast. This concept that I'm skirting around is called internalized oppression. And in the intro episode, we briefly discuss the systems that make us shrink and keep us small on a macro scale. The inequality women and many others face around the world that can make it difficult to break through the status quo and show up in life, in your work, in a way that is actually exciting and energizing rather than depleting. If you missed the intro episode, I'll definitely link it in the show notes, so keep a lookout for that. Without widening our understanding of how language, ideas, messages both verbal and nonverbal that are communicated to us on a macro level influence us personally, how we show up in life, the choices we make, and even how we feel about ourselves, others in the world, it's going to be really hard to influence lasting change in your life and outside of yourself. Internalized oppression is a concept in sociology that explains how an oppressed group uses the methods of the group who is doing the oppressing against itself. It's that subtle thought that appears that tells you someone is better than you because you've heard it over and over and seen it throughout history. And then something else may happen. You may start to want to be like this group that you perceive as superior in some ways, often in unconscious ways, believing that changing yourself is the only way not only to survive, but to be taken seriously, respectably, and to thrive. So who are we talking about here? Well, more formally, social oppression can look like racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, anti-Semitism, gender, and religious oppression. Less formally, internalized oppression can affect anyone. When we internalize the things people say to us, about us, what we observe happening around us on the media, it can lead to a lot of guilt, embarrassment, and shame. The more we allow these messages into our awareness without questioning their validity and their truth, a part of us begins to believe it's true and that it's fact. We begin to adopt beliefs that we are less than, that we are less than worthy, less than desirable, less than capable, less than, less than, than someone else, creating a separation between us and them, robbing ourselves of the opportunity to truly and genuinely open ourselves to infinite possibility, our true potential, and our full emotional landscape. We start to think small, feel small, and act in a way which we believe is the only way, the only possibility in that moment. I have to pause right here and just say that if you resonate with what I'm sharing, I haven't met a single person yet who doesn't have that part of them that feels a little less than, feels a little bit of like a victim to their circumstance. It's not only normal, but it's completely human. We're probably the most self-absorbed species who spends a lot of time contemplating our very existence and judging ourselves in the process. What's required here isn't to continue with the way of judging ourselves for being human, but to create more space and give ourselves permission to be human, 
to allow all of us to exist fully and completely without feeling guilty, ashamed, or embarrassed by it. And of course, to continue to have a beginner's mind and to be open to learning the tools and skills that help us to come back to wholeness, to help us to shift these identities and beliefs we've taken on so that we can consciously choose who we want to be, how we want to be, how we want to experience the richness and sweetness of life. This is available to you. I know this not only from over my 10 years of working in the personal development space and witnessing both youth and adults change their mindset and adopt new perspectives on life, but also from my training in holistic counseling psychology, my own life experiences and the self-education and development I continue to do because this work is a life's journey. So what about this internalized oppression? These beliefs and identities we adopt over time, over generations even, that impact how we feel, how we act, and how we react. Well, a belief is a thought that we have on repeat, that we've found proof and validation for over time through different experiences we've had and how we interpreted what happened to us. You know those moments when something happens, let's say you're standing in line to pay for something and someone cuts in front of you. If this happens once, you may not notice, but if it keeps happening, you may come to believe that you're the type of person who people don't notice or want to take advantage of or always cut in front of. You start to find proof for this belief everywhere and in different situations. You may even notice a loud voice in your head that says, of course this happened to me. I know I've said it before. I've been there. We begin to identify with our beliefs. We no longer simply think or notice these moments where we feel inferior, but we take it as a fact that we truly are inferior in some way, shape, or form compared to someone else or something else. Side note, these thoughts begin to take form early in childhood, but I'll save expanding on that for another episode. You can notice this oppression in the language we use about ourselves. The self-oppression, this internalized oppression. How we do harm onto ourselves. You can notice it in the language we use about ourselves, others, and the world around us. And it's an interesting phenomenon because our rational brain can tell us over and over again that it's not true. But then there's that little part of us that lingers in the background that does believe it's true. And that's what causes these internal conflicts we all experience. It's like a battle between the head, the heart, and the gut. And embodying freedom and flow comes from integrating these three things. So, internalized oppression, the way we keep ourselves small and compare ourselves to others because of how we've been treated, how our ancestors have been treated, and how we notice others similar to us are treated, is known to be linked to increased anxiety, depression, and even suicide. We won't be talking about the whole scope of internalized oppression today because as I'm sure you're noticing, there are a lot of heavy parts and components to it some that may be hard to look at within ourselves. It's much easier to blame others, our past, or the system. But at the end of the day, our emotional landscape is our individual responsibility. History shows us time and time again that even when the odds are against us, it's possible to break through them. 
but it does require educating yourself and having an intrinsic desire for things to be different. I'll definitely invite an expert onto the show so we can unpack this topic even more. Until then, let me paint a bit of a picture of how this internalized oppression can manifest through our language. Have you ever heard this before or said it to yourself? Again, I'm guilty of it too. Yeah, but they're white. Yeah, but they have money. Yeah, but he's a man. Yeah, but their parents didn't divorce. Yeah, but their parents will always help them when they need it. They have support and security. Yeah, but. What comes after a sentence like that? Usually something like, and I'm not, and I don't, and not me. I'm sure we can all think of plenty of examples from our own lives where we minimized our own humanness because we didn't think we were worthy enough or acceptable or desirable enough in that moment. When I sit with everything I've just mentioned so far, I can remember a time when I was at work early in my career and I was wearing leggings. One of the managers came over to me and told me that I was dressed inappropriately and that I had to wear loose pants. Depending who was on the other side of this interaction, it could have meant nothing at all, or it could have meant everything. It could have been a moment of validation from a belief that was already developing or developed within me. For me, while I obviously didn't forget the situation since I'm sharing it with you now, I had been hearing about gender differences all my life. I come from a pretty conservative culture. My heritage is from Poland. My parents are immigrants to America, some Polish-American. I had begun to notice and experience these differences myself. So for me, I made this interaction mean that I wasn't able to be myself or dress in a way that was comfortable without offending someone or without being seen as respectable, professional, and capable. For some context, for those of you thinking, what were you doing wearing leggings at work? I get it, but I promise it was appropriate. This was in my former work in outdoor and experiential education, an environment where we spent nearly 100% of our time outside, intense, walking, doing something active, something that required comfort. So leggings in the Western country that I happened to be working in seemed like the natural choice. You see, we view the world through the lens of our beliefs and our past experiences. This is why creating sustainable and long-term change is harder for some than for others. Naturally, when you are born into more privilege, the experiences you encounter and that shape you are much different than those born into less privilege. Our brain is a natural storyteller and finds comfort in connecting dots and finding an ending or conclusion to a story, even if it isn't grounded in fact or reality. Because your subconscious can't tell the difference between real or imagined. So when we make situations mean something about us, even if it isn't true, we can take on that belief and in turn have it develop into an identity. Let's go back to the example I gave a moment ago. The one where a manager commented on my leggings. I made his comment mean something about my capabilities, my worth, and yes, it was a he. Did I have to? Did I have to make it mean something about me and my worth? Of course not. Like I said, if it was someone else in my shoes who had had different life experiences, different shaping, they could have not even reacted to this comment. 
But notice this. When you make a situation mean something about you, about someone else, about the world, what do you notice? Often, those emotions that are hard to meet surface, like shame, embarrassment, guilt, anger, resentment, sadness, helplessness, disappointment, vulnerability. I don't know about you, but when I sit with this, I don't feel completely good enough. I don't feel completely worthy. I even feel a bit disconnected. So tell me, is it easy to make conscious choices from this space of, well, disempowerment? Of course not. We automatically become defensive. We become reactive. We force our way through or abandon the journey completely. It's much easier to position yourself on the outside, to blame, than it is to take responsibility. Is systemic oppression real? Yes. Can it change overnight? No, it's definitely a slow burn. Is internalized oppression real? You tell me. How do you feel when no one is looking? What do you think of the world, about yourself, about others, and does it serve you? How is it working for you right now? When you see something or hear something often enough, you begin to internalize it without even noticing it. Maybe it's getting passed up for promotions, or maybe it's others not making eye contact with you when you're leading a conversation. Or maybe it was a parent who yelled at you often, or a bully who always seemed to be there ready to put you down. We can virtually internalize any idea, any thought. And a thought that you have on repeat, like I've mentioned before, that is proved and validated in real life, becomes a belief. And we show up, behave, react, decide, perceive the world through the lens of our beliefs, what we've experienced, and what we've convinced ourselves is or isn't true. So as much as the systems and cultures that we're born into can oppress us, we can oppress ourselves too. And this is truly the starting point. Sitting face to face with yourself and all of your humanness and learning to make room for all of the aspects of you that strongly believe you should be a certain type of way or that you already are a certain type of way. This perception of yourself didn't start with you. Some of it may go back generations and some of it may have developed from your youngest years or at any point throughout your life. And letting go of all of this also takes time. It takes courage, it takes patience, and a lot of self-compassion. For many, the pain of staying where you are appears to be less than the pain associated with uncertainty and the unknown of where you want to go, what you want to do, who you want to be, and how you want to feel. And this is okay too. Everyone is on their own journey, moving at a pace that is working for them right now. You know how hard it is to change yourself. So now imagine how hard it is to change others, to change an entire social structure and system. The real change starts within. It starts with you. It starts with curiosity, with asking better questions. Maybe you're skeptical of what I'm saying right now. Great. 
I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm here to share and create a space for these conversations to take place. A space where it's safe to be human, to explore, to question, to grow, to expand and impact. You already have the answers within you, and I fully trust that you're right on time, exactly where you are and how you are. So to finish, something that I like to remind myself of when I feel like the odds are against me, is that I've made it this far, I have a 100% survival rate, and so do you, and that it's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel like the odds are against me from time to time. It doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me pessimistic. It makes me human, just like you. On that note, here are some affirmations that may support you on your journey. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. What I'm feeling is real and my experience matters. Sensitivity is not a weakness and my emotions are valid. Love doesn't entail manipulation. I deserve better. Someone blaming me for something doesn't make it true. Another person's behavior is not my fault. That's their own responsibility. On that note, I'd love to hear your thoughts or anything that has come up for you throughout this episode. You can send me a message on Instagram or TikTok or even LinkedIn at Expand and Impact. Thanks for joining me in this official first episode. I hope that it had some food for thought for you. And if it didn't, that's okay too. Thanks for being here and cheers to your health, wealth, and happiness. I'll catch you in the next episode. Remember, expansive education plus inspired action equals an impactful life. 